Hello, and welcome to Wicked Wednesdays, your weekly podcast on sex and sexuality. I'm your host, Wicked Fellow, and today we're going to continue our discussion on the nature of submissiveness and the types of submissive. Last week we talked about being a rope bottom. We also talked about being a bedroom submissive. Today we are going to talk about brat style play and good style play and how while they may seem to be polar opposites, and in many ways they are, the style of play can be polar opposite. I think there's more similarities between brats and goods than there are differences. So when I say a good sub, that's not a judgment on the quality of the submissive. It's a style of submission. Good subs aren't any better or worse than brat subs. I also want to make a note that I do try to be gender inclusive in all of my sub terms and all of my dom terms. Um, if I forget, it's my own, you know, natural bias showing through in that most of my submissives have been women. However, I have had male submissives and there's no gender rules for these roles. You can certainly be dominant and feminine. You can also be submissive and masculine. That's not mutually exclusive. And of course, gender is a spectrum. So anywhere you fall within that gender, you know, gradation You can be perfectly comfortable in any of these roles. So forgive my, you know, bias on this. It comes from my experience, not my beliefs necessarily. You know, I have no problem accepting a female dominant or a male submissive. That's perfectly fine. But good girl, good boy play, which is something I don't think is common parlance for that. Um, I haven't found a category like rope bunny or brat or Sam that encompasses the nature of good girl slash good boy submissives. However, I think anybody in the scene will recognize the characteristics of a good boy, good girl submissive. So, brat play, which seems counterintuitive, you know, on its face, because why would someone that wants to be independent and wants to break rules and doesn't want to be told what to do take part in a lifestyle where that's very much a part of their interaction with somebody? Why would they choose to submit to someone if they're going to constantly break those rules? Well, that's the fun of it. And in fact, you can't really be a brat unless you have someone giving you rules to break, right? So with a brat-style submission, also called a smart-ass masochist, um, those two are very closely allied. You, you won't find a brat that's not a smart ass and you won't find a smart ass that's not a brat. They kind of go together. You know, why would they do that? Well, it's fun. You know, that is the thrill they get out of it. If you give a brat a rule, they will break that rule and they want to see what happens. They want to provoke their dominant into action. Obviously, this is going to be treading very close to the line of topping from the bottom. However, when done correctly, when a brat is well paired with a dom that enjoys brat play, it can be a very exciting and stimulating relationship where the brat is always pushing but doesn't take things too far, right? They're always trying to find ways around their rules. You know, you said that I couldn't go to bed after nine o'clock, but since I didn't go to bed at all, I didn't actually break your rule, right? You know, Brats enjoy that type of interaction. They enjoy pushing on rules and seeing what happens. 
And that can be very fun and very healthy for both the brat and the dom who enjoys brats. For a dom that, you know, really wants their rules to be followed, that would be a very uncomfortable relationship with a brat because they're going to want to break the rule. The dom is going to want their rule followed and neither party is going to be very happy because a dom that enjoys brat play will understand that the sub is not being disrespectful that they want that attention. They want to be a bad girl. They want to be a bad boy. They like it when their dom puts them over their knee. They like it when they get punished because that's kind of thrilling. If they didn't have a dominant person to give them those punishments, to give them those consequences for their action, it's not really misbehaving if you can't get in trouble for it. You know, we are all grown people. And if we want to go to the store at midnight and buy a whole chocolate cake and eat it, if you don't have someone that you will get in trouble for for that, it's not as much fun for some people. So there is this very fun kind of electric dynamic between a dom and a brat. By the nature of brats that I've known, that's very much the same thing. They enjoy that interaction. They do want to have someone to submit to. They want to respect that dominant but they love to break the rules. They love to push back against that domination and see what happens. And there's nothing wrong with that as long as both parties are on the same page. Usually with a dom and brat dynamic, there's a way the dom can show the brat or tell the brat that they are out of line, that they're pushing too hard and they need to back off. And that is something that doesn't happen in other kinds of dom sub relationships. So, for example, the flip side of that brat coin is the good girl or good boy sub. And what the good girl and boy sub really want is to be pleasing. They want to do right. They do not want to get in trouble. Breaking a rule for them is anathema. They really don't like the feeling of disappointing their dom or letting their dom down or making their dom upset with them or disappointed and angry with them. So this is very much two sides of this submissive coin is the brat gets off on that. The brat is excited by breaking rules and facing the consequences of that. The smart ass masochist side is very much part of that. You know, they like to be sassy. I've never met a brat that wasn't sassy and I've never met a sassy that wasn't brat. You know, to me, those are one and the same. Some people will have age play be part of that. And so a brat would be someone that likes to age play younger and likes to disobey. But like all of the dominant substyles, you can be a mixture of both. You can be someone that enjoys age play and you're also a brat. You can be someone that enjoys good girl and boy play and doesn't do age play, for example, or they do do age play. All of these can be mixtures of your personality and it's absolutely possible to be a submissive who enjoys being a brat sometimes and sometimes they want to be a good girl or boy you know that can be a little more difficult for the dom but that's why we get paid the big bucks right so you can be a mixture you can be any combination of this it's a very big vast open world that we play in and there are no hard limits on you can only be a brat or you can only be a good girl or boy or you can only be a rope bottom. You know, that does not exist. You can be any combination of those, or you might just be a brat. 
And there's nothing wrong with that. That's a healthy form of submission when it's practiced with somebody that embraces it and encourages it. Doms that enjoy brats like that. They like that electric play. They like their submissive to be difficult to control. That's fun for them. It's something that they enjoy. And it can be very stimulating and exciting for a dom to have a brat that seems like they barely have them under control. They barely have a hand on them. And nine times out of 10, when they're told to do something, they're not going to do it. Or they're going to try and skirt the rule or follow the letter of the law without following the spirit of the law. On the other hand, you have your good girl and boy subs who desperately want to follow the rules. Nothing makes them more happy than following a rule set and being praised by their dom. They love that. They live for that. It feels so good to them. So these very much are contrasting types of submission. It seems to me that doms that enjoy brats and doms that want good girl and boy subs, for example, is a very different approach to dominance. So I think we will touch on that more in the episode on dominance, but it's important that the pairing is appropriate because like for me, for example, I don't tend to enjoy brat play. And I make that very clear to people who approach me and want to be a submissive of mine. You know, as part of that initial interview, as part of those initial conversations, I'm feeling out what kind of submissive they are. I want to know, do they like brat play? Not because there's something wrong with brat play. There is not. But it doesn't suit my style of submission because I am a very strict dom and I want my rules to be followed. So it's not fun for me to have someone constantly pushing against those boundaries and constantly breaking rules. So that would not make me a good match for someone that enjoys being bratty, you know, and vice versa. A dom that really wants a bratty sub and enjoys that interaction would not enjoy the type of submissive that I usually work with because it wouldn't be fun for them. It wouldn't be exciting. They would get bored with that type of sub. Whereas for me, that is what's stimulating. You know, moving into the types of doms, it's just as individual as the types of subs. Obviously, there are doms that can do both. And I have worked with brats to a degree that was comfortable for both the brat and I. And usually that would be a limited form of play. Something that's episodic, something that is not a long-term relationship style domination. Can I have fun and enjoy brat play for a limited period of time? Absolutely. It can be a lot of fun and I see the appeal of it. But in my day-to-day life, for someone that I'm going to have a relationship with, it's not a good fit for me. And that is just me. That does not mean in any way that brat play is a bad thing. I think it's a very good and healthy form of submission. It's just not my style. So what do these two types of play have in common? I do feel like brats and good girl, good boy subs have more in common than may be readily apparent. Obviously, both are seeking out a dominant figure. Being good in your day-to-day life is rewarding. But if you're a submissive personality, having that praise and having that confirmation and accountability to somebody is very fulfilling. So you have a very similar dynamic. It's not fun to break the rules if there's no one there to enforce the rules. It's not fun to follow the rules if there's no one there to praise you and reward you for following the rules. 
So again, brats and good girl, good boy subs, they're very similar in more ways than it may seem. It's not fun to play these roles without someone there to be the dominant figure. It's no fun if you are a smart mouth masochist and no one punishes you for it. It's not a lot of fun to be a good girl, good boy sub and not have someone there to reward you for it. That validation on either side is a key part of that submissive personality. You know, another way that brats and good girl and good boy subs are similar is that they both want a rule set for very different reasons. Obviously the brats want to break those rules. It's not fun to be a brat if you don't have rules you can break. And it's not fun to be a good girl or boy sub if you don't have rules to follow. You know, these are very interlinked subtypes. And some people do vacillate in between the two of them. Sometimes they're feeling like a good girl and boy sub. And sometimes they're feeling bratty. And that's okay. That can be managed in the dom-sub relationship. If you're someone that enjoys the praise and attention and the external locus of control that comes with being a submissive. Having somebody that you respect be proud of you is very fulfilling. You know, that plays to the good girl and boy side of submission. On the brat side, it's not really fun to break rules if nobody's there to tell you that you're being bad. And so in order to have that interaction, in order to have that thrill for the brat, they need to have rules and they need to have someone that will hold them accountable for breaking those rules. Being a good girl or boy sub, it's great to have rules, but it's much more rewarding for them if there's an accountability factor, if there's someone who will hold them to account for breaking or not following those rules and who will reward them if they are good at following those rules. That is something that's deeply fulfilling to them and rewarding for them. And now we'll talk about age play, which seems very scary and like a loaded term and something that a lot of people will shy away from because they find it distasteful. It is very important in the BDSM and kink world that we understand that BDSM and kink is something for grown-ups to do because it is fulfilling to them. And you don't necessarily have to like what they do or agree with what they do or find what they do appealing. Right? It's not about you. If you don't like age play, if you find age play distasteful, that's fine. Don't do it. You know, don't be involved in it. But don't be judgmental of somebody else's joy. If someone enjoys age play and it's a healthy relationship between two adults, don't worry about it. Don't let it get under your skin. Just don't do it. And be respectful of what makes other people feel fulfilled. Be respectful of what works for other people. It may not be for you, and that's fine. But be open-minded and understand that for some people, age play is very fulfilling and very cathartic and very healthy for them. So when we talk about age play, you know, obviously it can be acting any age other than the age you actually are, whether that's older or younger. Most of the time in BDSM, age play means portraying someone that is younger than you are. So in my experience, I have age played with a couple different subs who enjoyed being younger than they actually were. So for example, someone that was in their mid twenties, but they enjoyed being someone that was 12 or younger. You know, they want to watch cartoons and they want to have a coloring book 
and they want to have crayons and they want to inhabit that little space where they feel safe and secure with someone who's not judging them for acting inappropriately. And age play, you know, obviously, like everything we talk about in BDSM, the individual relationship is entirely up to you two. For me, I have very strong limits on what I want to do as a dom and someone who wants to be an age player. So for example, for me, I have no trouble being a dominant to someone who enjoys being a little. Little in this sense is just another word for an age player. They like being small. They like being young. If a submissive of mine likes to feel like a child and they want to feel like they have a coloring book and they have crayons and they have their cartoons and a blanket and a stuffed animal and that makes them feel warm and fuzzy and you know it's just a good feeling for them i'm going to indulge that you know that is completely acceptable to me i don't like to mix eroticism and age play for me you know that's my particular preference so for people that I have done age play with, we keep the eroticism separate from their age play. That's my decision. That's what I like. I don't like to do erotic play with someone who is pretending to be very young. That is not a turn on for me. In fact, it's a turn off for me. But that's me. You know, that is my particular style of play. So when I have a submissive that likes to be little, that likes to portray themselves as someone that's, you know, 12 years old, I'm happy to indulge that, you know. I'm happy to sit down and watch cartoons and have them play with their crayons and a coloring book and have a blanket and a stuffed animal and let them enjoy that space where they feel like a child and they feel childish and play along with that in a way that is healthy and fulfilling for them. Because in the real world... You know, they may be looked down upon or disparaged for wanting to do those childish things. You know, as a grown person, they may receive a lot of criticism and disdain for wanting to wrap themselves in a blanket and have a stuffed animal and play with coloring books and crayons. But that can be very healthy and very cathartic for them to feel safe and accepted and to have a feeling of being embraced in that little role. For me... I'm fine with that. And I, I choose to draw the line at sexuality. Like for me, I don't want my submissive to act like a child in a bedroom situation. That would be very off-putting for me. But that's my particular set. So with age play, you know, sometimes it can go completely to they like to have diapers and they like to be completely cared for as if they were an infant. You know, again, that is perfectly fine as long as you have two adults that agreed that we're going to play these roles. I'm going to play the role of the caretaker and you are going to play the role of the infant. If it's not your thing, don't worry about it. It's very important not to step on other people for what turns them on and makes them happy and is fulfilling to them. And as we work through a lot of the different types of submission and a lot of different types of play in the BDSM world, you are almost guaranteed to find things that are not for you where you don't feel comfortable doing that. And that is fine. You know, don't do it. No one is ever going to force you to do something like that that you don't want to do. Don't disparage people that that is their thing. That is what works for them. That is what makes them feel safe and secure. 
move on with your life, realize that grown people can do whatever they want. So yeah, age play can be any level of age play. Some people like to play older. Some people like to play younger. In my experience, usually what happens is you have a dominant portraying an older role and a submissive portraying a younger role. You know, for me personally, the first time that I had a submissive approach me that wanted to do age play, I was very put off by that. And I didn't want to have a sexual partner that also wanted to do age play, you know, significantly younger than they were. However, I realized that you can have more than one type of play. And with that particular submissive, I made it very clear to them that, yes, I was happy to play that role with them in a non-sexual setting, but I was not willing to do that in a sexual setting. So they were perfectly welcome to be small and be a little and be someone that wanted to watch cartoons with their crayons. And I would be that older parental role for them, you know, the daddy role for them. But that I did not want to mix that play in with our erotic play because that was a turnoff for me. That was something I did not enjoy. And that's where, you know, doms can have hard limits and subs can have hard limits and both need to respect that role. And she was fine with that. In fact, in that relationship, you know, we had started as a boyfriend and girlfriend. We then went into some kind of general DS and dominant submissive play. And then she told me that what she really wanted was to be a little. And she wanted to play that way. And that was what made her really happy. And at the time, I decided that it would be better for us to have a non-sexual DS relationship where she was free to explore that age play and I was comfortable being the daddy figure to her. And that was very comfortable for her. She enjoyed that. And she found it very freeing and cathartic to have someone that accepted the person she felt like she was inside. Because she wasn't able to express that part of her personality in the relationships that she had had. You know, it was not something that her previous boyfriends embraced her wanting to feel small and cuddled and protected as if she was a child. I was perfectly happy to do that. And that relationship was very fruitful and fulfilling for both of us in a non-sexual way. You know, for me, it would be a huge turnoff for me to age play with someone who wanted to be small in the bedroom. And that's just me. I'm not in any way casting aspersions on people who do enjoy that type of play. If you are two adults, you can play however you want to. It does not affect me. I don't think it's bad. I don't think it's unhealthy. But you have to be true to yourself. And for myself, it was not a good thing. It was not a healthy or fulfilling thing to play, you know, big little relationships in the bedroom. Outside of the bedroom, I have no problem with that. And I want to be open to submissives who enjoy that smaller little aspect of their play. As both a dominant or a submissive, you absolutely have the right to tell your partner, I don't like this. I don't want to do this. You know, as a dominant, you can say, no, I'm not comfortable doing age play and sexuality. And the same is true for a little. If your dominant wants you to be a little and you're not comfortable with that, then you don't do it. It's that simple. Don't go against your personal nature and your personal feelings with the sole purpose of fulfilling your partner. You know, we often 
make sacrifices for our partner, but I do not encourage you to go against your basic nature to do that. If you are submissive that enjoys doing little play or age play, you know, find a dom that is comfortable with that and that understands who you are, understands the limit of your age play. You know, if you only want to be a little in non-sexual situations, express that to your dom. You can make clear delineations on the relationship. You can say that, you know, for this session, I'm going to be a little and I'm going to act like I'm small and I'm going to act like I'm very young. You know, in this situation, I want to be handled this way. I don't want it to be a sexual thing. I want it to be a parental thing. I want it to be something that is comforting and fulfilling to me. As I play my role as a little, I want you to play your role as a big. I would also strongly advise against the kind of pop psychology. Oh, well, if they want to portray a little, then they have some sort of childhood trauma that they're trying to work through. Maybe. And also maybe not. The person that I first experienced little big play with had a very healthy and nurturing family. She did not come from trauma. She did not come from a situation where because she had a bad childhood, she now wanted to relive her childhood as an adult. That just was not the case with her. For her, there was something about her personality that enjoyed retreating to that time where she was small and she felt small and safe and secure and childlike. And that was fulfilling to her. She also had no interest in doing erotic play as a little. She wanted to be able to be small and, you know, watch cartoons with her coloring books. And she also wanted to have, you know, sexual relations as an adult. She did not necessarily want those two to intermingle or mix together. And so that was very comfortable for me. I had no problem delineating, okay, now you're being small. And so I'm going to treat you as a small person. And now you're being an adult submissive and you want to be treated as an adult submissive. That was very easy for me. And we made that very clear. In your individual relationships, I can't tell you what is healthy and what's not. I think you will know and you will feel what is healthy and is not. Between two adults, there's really not a lot you can't do as long as you both consent to it. You know, as we speak about the different types of submissive play and the different types of play that people enjoy in the BDSM scene, you know, I assure you we're going to talk about things that are distasteful to you or that you don't enjoy or, you know, really are not for you. And that is fine. It's perfectly fine. There are lots of types of play that do not interest me and that I don't want to do and that I have never done and don't want to do. But that does not mean that they are somehow inferior or bad or something that people should be ashamed of in their BDSM kinks. You know, we don't choose those and they are what they are. I will try to present this stuff in the most balanced way that I can, you know, understanding that for some people, age play is taboo. They absolutely disagree with it and they think it's unhealthy and they think it's something that no one should do. That is a very close-minded way of looking at it. Because I promise you, if you are into BDSM and kink in any way, there are people that think what you're doing is bad and something that should not be done and is distasteful and wicked and horrible. So be open-minded, even if it's not your thing. Even if it's something that you find personally distasteful, if it's not hurting you, 
and it's not hurting the people involved, go with it and be understanding and be accepting of it. The kink and BDSM community is the place in life where we find other consenting adults that are into what we are into. That's the whole point. So the rest of the world can be as judgmental as they want. The rest of the world can be very hard on kinky people from everything from being bound all the way up to some very extreme and uncommon kinks. It doesn't matter. As long as the people you are doing it with are into it and you're not hurting anybody more than they want, it's fine. We're adults. We can do this. It's fun for people let people enjoy the things that they're into. Be very careful about making judgments on other people's kinks. You know, we all live in a very delicate glass house here. So there's nothing wrong with age play. There truly is not. As long as both people involved are adults, understand what they're doing, and are comfortable with the roles they're playing in those scenes. I think it can be very helpful. I think it can be very cathartic and perfectly healthy as long as it feels good and fulfilling to you. If a dominant wants their submissive to act little and the submissive is not into that, that would be unhealthy, right? That's the idea and vice versa. The submissive can want their dominant to act as a daddy dom, for example, and that is uncomfortable for them and they should not do it. So just like brat play and any other kind of play that we do, finding a partner that is compatible with your own particular kinks is very important here. And as a submissive, you should not feel obligated to play that role if it's uncomfortable for you, if it doesn't feel good to you, if it is something that turns you off or is not comfortable. Don't do it. Make that clear to your dominant. Say, I don't enjoy little play that kind of makes me feel uncomfortable i don't want to do it you always have the ability to withdraw consent and dominance it's the same thing you can say i don't want to do big little play or i don't want to do big little play if eroticism is involved or i'm completely comfortable with that it does not bother me to do big little play with you because i know that you're an adult and at the end of the day, you're an adult and you're choosing to do this. And so I am comfortable with that. The same as impact play. You know, there really is no difference. If a consenting adult says, yes, this is okay. I want to do this. It's fine. If you're being coerced or pushed or guilted into doing something you don't want to do, that is bad. And that's really the only hard limits on these things. What feels good to you? What is fulfilling to you? What is something you're comfortable with? It's pretty simple. Like many of the things that we play, some people play this because it's transgressive and they enjoy the transgressive nature of it, right? They want to do this age play thing because it's so taboo and it's exciting to them and it feels, you know, like a slap in the face of morality. And that is what gets them off. If both parties are involved and on board, great. Some people do it because they genuinely like to feel small. They like to feel childlike and they like to feel little in that environment. 
and they want to do that in a place where they feel accepted and appreciated and nurtured. That is just as valid. You know, the key is making sure that both parties are on the same page. On the business side of things, you know, I'm still uploading things to XHamster and XVids. I'm still getting all of our old content put out there. I am in the process of editing and publishing new content. I am very excited and grateful about the Patreon. The Patreon supporters are really what's making this happen. I feel a responsibility to the people that have subscribed to get these videos out. And that is enough of an impetus for me to sit down every week, make sure these get out on time, and try to put out the best possible quality of podcasts that I can. So you Patreon subscribers, you guys are absolute heroes, and I really appreciate it. For those of you that Patreon isn't an option, there are tons of ways that you can help support the channel. You can like our content. You can send me questions. You can help me produce these podcasts because sending me questions and comments lets me know what's working and what's not working, what you want to hear about, what's interesting to you, questions that you have. You know, by sending that stuff to me, I have a fairly limited feedback from the podcast. I get a lot of mail from our videos. I've got a fairly good clue on what works and doesn't work in our videos. But there's only about four or 5,000 um, podcast subscribers. So it's a much smaller cadre of listeners. So getting the feedback that I get from you guys is extremely valuable. You know, knowing what you guys like and don't like allows me to put out a better quality podcast. And I do want this to be something that I'm proud of and that is useful to you and is a good service for you. On a production note, last week I tried scripting the entire podcast and it did work. It made editing much easier because I was working from something that was very succinct and to the point and I knew exactly what I was going to say. This week, I've tried to do a bit of a mix. I know that some of you were unhappy with the very scripted podcast from last week. These feel much more extemporaneous and easy than simply reading off of a sheet. At the same time, I don't always say exactly what I want to say, how I want to say it. And so I end up repeating the same thing several times and having to edit that out or not making an important point that I wish I had made and then going back and trying to insert that into the podcast. I made several points that I wanted to make, wrote those down, had those prepared and ready to go. And I've tried to present this in a much more relaxed and candid style that you're used to. I am still working on the sound and the video for you video cast watchers, experimenting with different lighting schemes and also experimenting with different ways of processing my vocal performance. Because unlike most presenters, my range is far below the average speaking voice and standard presets and processors that are designed for, you know, voiceover narration don't work with me because they boost the low end, whereas I tend to cut my low end. So I'm working on that. I want this to be a very natural and clean sounding audio because this is primarily a podcast. The video is a nice benefit. But I only do the video because I can and it's ancillary to the podcast. My chief concern is getting the audio right. If I can get the video looking good as well, that's just a bonus. But 
any time that you can give me feedback on how it sounds is very important to me. I want it to sound natural at the same time, processing my voice so that it doesn't sound too boomy or doesn't sound too muffled, etc., can be quite a challenge because when I take the full audio and I turn it into an MP3, which is what you download on your podcast, the MP3 protocol tends to cut off low and high frequencies, frequencies that aren't normally part of human hearing. Unfortunately, my voice is in that low frequency that usually gets cut off. So in order to make it audible and sound good and sound natural, I have to process it to some extent in order to make sure that what I hear when I edit it is close to what you hear when you press play on your podcast. So feedback on that is welcome. I love you guys. I really appreciate the responses and feedback and support that I've gotten from you. Please remember that consent is king. Stay safe out there, take care of each other, and I'll see you next week.